This is Animals Voice Podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. We've got another great show for you on the way, so put your paws up, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Animals Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin McKenzie. Thank you for joining us once again. Uh, This week, joining us by Skype is our friend Darren Grandel, Senior Inspector of the Ontario SPCA. How you doing, Darren? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. We're going to be uh, talking about exotic animals investigations and the removal process today. Uh, Pretty unique topic. I'm excited to talk to you about this. But before we get going, uh, we want to hear a little bit about you. Uh, How long have you been involved in animal welfare? Oh, geez, that goes back to, I think, 1998 when I first started volunteering. So looking at, what, 16 years now? So that's how you got started? Uh, You were volunteering with us? Yep, that's right, in the Peterborough area, and okay. then eventually um, then eventually got employed and went from there into my current position now, which I've been in for the past 10 years. Okay. Now, exotic animals are a, uh, it's a pretty cool topic in that I think people wonder, they hear news reports about removals of certain types of exotic animals, and people scratch their heads and say, you know, how is it possible these animals are allowed in Ontario or in Canada. So can you clarify this for our listeners? What types of exotic animals are actually allowed in Ontario? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, the problem is that provincially and even federally, there's no law at those levels that prevent anyone from having any sort of species of animals. Actually, in fact, in Ontario, the one species of animal that you're not allowed to have is a pit bull dog under the Dog Owners Liability Act. So so I can have a wild elephant living in my house, but not no pit bull. Exactly. Seems wow. bizarre, doesn't it? Yeah. But, uh, the, but it's kind of piecemeal hit and miss throughout the province because although there's no provincial legislation or federal banning exotic species or non-native exotic species, uh, you'll have municipalities throughout the province that they might institute bylaws. And we see that several places. And those bylaws, of course, differ from city to city or municipality to municipality. And so locally, there might be bylaws that are prohibiting a specific species, and those are helpful. But again, other more rural areas of Ontario that there might not be as in-depth bylaws, you won't see those instituted. So again, it's hit and miss as we go. So, so basically, provincially and federally, there's nothing preventing anyone from having these animals. And where you do get any sort of prohibition is through a local bylaw. Wow. Okay. That's got to be... Uh... That's got to be tough to wrap your head around. I mean, even as an investigator in Ontario, knowing what um, what municipality you're going into and being really familiar with the bylaws there. Exactly. Exactly. You can't just assume that something's prohibited or because a neighboring city or municipality has it that way, too. So you always have to do your research and look into it. Okay. So under what circumstance would you be called in to investigate a situation involving an exotic pet? We get called in for the same circumstances as we get called into any sort of domestic pet or livestock situation. If someone's concerned for the health and well-being of an animal, whether it's exotic or a domestic pet, they'll call us to go have a look. And from that standpoint, we uh, we respond in the same manner. Okay, but uh, I mean, an investigation involving a domestic, uh, you know, a traditional domestic house pet has got to be different than that involving some of these exotics. So, I mean, can you speak to how these investigations differ? Sure. That on one level they differ because of the species, and then on the other on the other level they they don't differ much at all when you're following the legal process for investigation and determining level of care. So the big difference, of course, comes into play when you're dealing with either hundreds of pound tiger, or lion, or you know the couple pounds house cat. That's where that big difference comes in. Huge different set of requirements to provide 
proper standards of care for uh, different species. And so, and that's where the big difference comes into play is that everyone can have these animals, whether it's your dog at home, your cat at home, your pets, and uh, or if it's uh, a reptile or some, or some other non-native ex- exotic species. But the problem comes down to when it comes to that proper care, the requirements are so different. So everyone has to provide proper things like food, water care, and veterinary care when it's needed. But what those are for each specific species is what's very different and what poses the different challenges in those cases. Okay, so I think I was about to ask you, I mean, you know, at what point in the investigation do you deem it necessary to remove an exotic pet? But I think you just answered that. So it's based on uh, the care that's required for that species. Exactly. And when it comes to removal, that is a legislative authority. So it's the same process, again, whether it's a horse, a dog, or a lion, or a snake. It's uh, There's certain measures legislatively that we have to go through. And when those measures aren't met or the animal's not getting the care it needs, and removal is the way to provide that care. In all circumstances, that's the way we go, and that's what triggers that authority. Okay. What can you tell me about the removal process itself? Uh, in itself, like I said, the legislation guides when that can happen. And when it comes to actually doing it for a species, obviously our own people uh, and our own vehicles and stuff are equipped to handle uh, the more common types of things we deal with with cats and dogs and domestic pets. Uh, but when you get into things, even livestock, logistically, things start to get a little tougher, uh, more costly. And then especially when you get into exotics, then we get into uh, more costly avenues and avenues that you need absolute expertise. So we can't just call in shelter workers to come in and remove a bunch of snakes or a bunch of lion cubs yeah. or bears or whatever. right? Yeah. So we have to actually find expert handlers, expert transporters, and expert facilities to take these animals and expert veterinarians to provide care. So logistically, when it comes to a removal of exotics, versus our more common uh, investigations of livestock or domestic pets. We're dealing with a very different set of circumstances and expertise required. Now, I mean, in the last six months alone, um, I, I remember examples of removals within Ontario that involved ostriches, uh, alligators. I mean, do you have, is your contact book set up in a way that you know exactly who to call for these exotic situations? Or do you have to really kind of piece together uh, collaborative relationships as, as you come across these removals? Yeah, it's a little bit of both. Over the years, as these things come up, we find these contacts. Then, of course, we do start keeping them jotted down for future reference and use, possibly. And then, uh, but then, yeah, years go on where you come across a species, uh, you know, like an ostrich. All of a sudden, in some area of Ontario, no one's dealt with that before. Right. So then you have to scramble. But that's where you come in with collaboration with our colleagues across the province. Has anyone dealt with these? You've got to be contacts things like that. So it's a whole collaborative process. And yeah, certainly uh, there's a proactive measure too of seeking groups out, having workshops with other groups too, to really set up that understanding of what's required and things like that on both ends too. Because when these experts come in, we want to know what on our end, what we need to do to help make it safe and and, uh, uh, easy for them to do their work. I mean, I'm thinking about the costs associated with this. You You were talking a minute ago about how our vehicles are equipped for uh, you know, the animals that we're used to dealing with on a regular basis, domestic animals. Um, tell me about transportation of exotic pets and, and costs. I mean, does, does, are these investigations more expensive? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, from the onset, it's pretty much the same sort of deal as a as a visiting a house to look at a dog where we inquire and see what's going on. But once 
uh, action has to be taken on some level, whether it's uh, compliance measures to fix something on site uh, or maybe bringing in an expert or veterinarian or something like that, costs will start to go up because we have to look for people that expertise in these fields. And that's not always easy. And they might have to come from a great distance and things like that. And certainly transportation, you have to get make sure it's proper for the species. Facility-wise, you have to make sure it's proper uh, for the species as well. And of course, appropriate diet. So you're looking at food and diet dietary needs that aren't really that common all the time. And so, yeah, costs can really skyrocket with exotic animals. Okay. Tell me, in the decade and a half that you've been doing this and working in animal welfare, what, what's, what's that one case? What's the craziest situation you've been involved with with, with an exotic animal that you're allowed with to talk about? Yeah, once you say that, there's two that come to mind. Yeah. And uh, uh, the first is a gentleman that actually kept a tiger for years, and it eventually killed him in the pen while he was feeding it. Oh, and wow. that was another classic example that no matter what you think that these pets, if they're domesticated, they'll never hurt you. This gentleman had this tiger for years and years, and just that one day going to feed it and actually killed him. And then uh, the other case uh, we had was um, uh, a lion was removed. It was a lion cub, so it wasn't full grown, but certainly big enough for dealing with. And uh, also some wolves were at that location as well. And that was a prime example that we take the step back and we make those phone calls to those experts, to, to, to and veterinarians and handlers and, every, and facilities to help us with those situations. Now, ultimately, you're responsible. The Ontario SPCA is responsible for uh, governing animal welfare in our province. But, I mean, I can't imagine that all of our investigators have this level of special training to deal with exotics. So can you talk a bit about that? Like, do you require special training to, to deal with these exotics? Absolutely. It is such a specific field for knowledge and training that not all our investigators get that. And so they won't deal with these. So when we get these issues, there are select few investigators that receive all the training that's needed for them to do these type of things. And then they will be called in. So they, so there's some distance traveling possibly for some of these investigators, but that's part of uh, part of the job with that. But yeah, it is such a huge field of, of understanding, knowledge and training that yeah, we don't put everyone through that in just a few. Wow. Okay. And and what number should someone call if they have a concern for an exotic animal? Certainly call the one triple eight number at our provincial office, one triple eight six six eight seven seven two two. Okay, excellent. Listen, Darren, thanks for your time today. Really fascinating topic. We'd love to talk to you again in the future. Maybe at some point if you've uh, uh, done a couple of removals and it's uh, very fresh in your mind, uh, we, we could talk to you about those specific cases if you're able to talk about them. Sure, anytime. Excellent. Thanks for your time, and thank you, the listener, to Animals Voice Podcast. We appreciate so much you tuning in, you sharing our broadcasts on social media, uh, the bloggers that have been helping us out by spreading the word, and uh, we, we just appreciate it so much. If you have topic ideas that you'd like to hear covered on Animals Voice, I'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on uh, Twitter, at KevTheGrad. Uh, you can email me at k. Mackenzie, that's M-A-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E, at ospca.on.ca. And thank you to producer extraordinaire Katie for putting the program together. We'll catch you next time, and thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Animals Voice Podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and at our website, ontariospca.ca. Animals Voice Podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. The Society would like to thank all of our supporters. Together, we are the Animals Voice.